My wife and I, we had a lot of fun, man, for a long time. But she had this girlfriend that fucked it up. <laughs> With the big titties, you know the type of girlfriend I'm talking about. That I tried to ignore for six months. When she'd come in the house, like, hello there, how you doing? I don't really notice your tits. Oh. I'd like to be the mayor of Tit Town if I could, okay? I'd like to drive a big truck full of tits down the Tit Turnpike right into the middle of Tit Town. Don't you wish the guy walking in front of us would squeeze our tits for like one second? Not an ass man. I'm a tit man. I like big ass boobs. Now and forever. Not like a black eye, Vita. Give me back the tits! Give me back the tits! Welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Gurgay. As always, I'm Frank Man Matt Ralston. Matt is sporting his new Nancy Pelosi tattoo. I can't tell you where he put the tattoo, but let's just say when he becomes aroused watching his stone-faced elderly girlfriend on C-SPAN, the, t- the tattoo spells out, Pelosi did this to me. <laughs> She's back, Matt. <laughs> your, la- your lady friend with a surgically enhanced face. I yeah. Just, I just read she's going to be, uh, she's going to be, conf- she's going to be confirmed as the Speaker of the House again. That's I have early straw poll. I have little opinion on it. It seems like she's very well hated, but I, I can't think of a speaker of the house that hasn't been hated. I mean, you you know, you, you kind of a Denny, Denny Haster. Figure. Denny Haster was beloved by his uh, teen wrestler, <laughs> teen wrestlers. Uh, yeah. Well, she uh, she is hated mostly by the opposition, and I think she's hated by a lot of Democrats as well. But she does bring in the money. She brings in like she's the top fundraiser still, and that sort of carries. She's also the elderly, uh, eldest person, one of the eldest people there. But I think she actually just fundraises for a number of people and gives them money. And that's sort of, that's relatively important. I don't know what else she Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, well, she could just have a job titled fundraiser and kind of stay (laughs) out of the whole political process. Uh, I think when she take, when she leaves, she's going to take her, she's going to take her money with her. She just scares me. I don't, people, the ladies with all the plastic surgery, especially when they get older, they have that s- weird, creepy Chucky face thing going on, mm-hmm. and it just scares us. I just can't look. It gives me the creeps for some. I mean, you know, it's not like I have to have sex with her, but it just just seeing her like when they when they talk, but their face doesn't move, it gives me that sort of like Silence of the Lambs you know, skin suit type. We've got to figure out. I, and I don't know why, as a society, we haven't figured it out, but plastic surgery almost never works. No, yet it's been going on for forty, fifty, sixty years. I think it, it works. Uh, I think it works when you le- when you need it the least, which is like the young ladies who get it. It works when you're younger, and then as your s- body and skin start to sag, it progressively looks worse and worse. Right. So when you need it the least, I think probably like in your twenties, you can have a touch up here or there, and it's not noticeable. It looks nicer, I guess, to get rid of some wrinkles or whatever. But as your skin starts to uh, crepe, as they say on late night infomercials, <laughs> crepe. <laughs> it's called crepe skin. When your skin starts to fold like an accordion. Mm. And then you pull it really tight in some plastic surgery. Then it never looks right after that. You start looking like a Vincent Price movie. So, I mean, obviously boobs and other stuff young co-ed girls get seems to work pretty well. But when you're in your 70s, it's just not it's not going to cut it. What other thing? I mean, I guess people still smoke cigarettes. It's like, well, you know, they look kill you. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, But I mean, what other thing do people just keep doing that has such a poor track record? I don't know. Well, with vanity, obviously they're not. It's not just plastic surgery; they're buying so much fucking. I mean, I am a, a aficionado of late night infomercials. 
And it's all beauty products for Cindy Crawford, Cindy Crawford beauty products for ladies in their 50s and 60s. Yeah. I can only imagine how much they're spending on rubs and ointments and these emollients and the, the cantaloupe acid thing and the other shit and all stuff like that. It's just, I don't believe any of it does anything, but it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Well, yeah, all chicks waste a ton of money on stuff like that. That's why they never have any money when they're younger. I heard a, a stat that kind of like, I don't know, just freaked me out the other day that People in the United States, on average, own five times as much, five times as many pieces of clothing as they did in 1980. Hmm. Which I, I kind of vaguely remember 1980. People were dressed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember people like being short of clothes back in 1980. Like people like, oh, I have no shirt today, or can't wear pants. I'm out of pants. So people seem to be perfectly dressed in the 80s for work and for play. And but now they have, on average, five times as many clothes. And I assume it's like a statistical median type thing where like people like myself who've been dressing the same since the age of 12 have don't have don't have any more clothes but then some people have like t 10 or 20 times as much clothes as they used to have well i feel like in the 80s you couldn't go into old navy and buy like five shirts for 20 bucks that's true that's true there was, well. no, uh, there was no uh there was no walmart there was not a walmart necessarily back then to get like the six t's for 20 bucks that's what I'm yeah i'd be curious like if the average price of per per unit of clothing has you know, like maybe in the eighties you had like the one dope leather jacket. They hadn't fully wore that all the time. They hadn't fully exploited Indochina uh, uh, child labor yet. Right. That was, did not come until like the nine until the nineties and the World Trade Organization when we learned that like we could actually have like nine year old girls in Miramar like stitching shit. <laughs> so you're right, it was mostly American made products. They probably they probably wore more relatively expensive. Uh, people do buy uh, women especially buy lots and lots of shit. I'm just gonna lay that off you now. This week's show is sponsored by Andrew Cuomo. For supporting taxpayer subsidies to build Jeff Bezos' helipad at the new Amazon HQ2. $3 million is like only 20 cents a person, says Cuomo to himself, because he's too scared to say it out loud. The Jeff Bezos taxpayer-funded helipad. Nope, you can't use it. I did. I want to talk about Amazon later because we got an email about that. But uh, they did, uh, they did, New York was proud to say they limit, they're limiting Bezos to 120 heli helicopter flights a year on the helipad. Okay. <laughs> so you can only... Sounds like about right. <laughs> like that was like he's like, I want you to build me a helipad so I don't have to drive or take the sub take the subway. And they're like, OK, but here's the deal. We're going to pay for your helipad. And we're going to build it. But you can't use it more than 120 times a year. <laughs> it's like, OK, done. <laughs> OK, done. OK, done. Like, yeah. Well, we nailed it. We nailed Bezos on that one. Yeah. Isn't he splitting? I mean, they split up the the. Um uh, headquarters right so he's not even going to be there full time well he'll be helicoptering from uh, i guess dc to new york so he's going to helipad mm. and uh so like literally like new york said okay we'll buy we'll pay the for the helipad for you richest man in the world we'll buy you a helipad but look there's gonna be a couple days if you try to use it too much we're gonna say no and also they said he has to make a water-based approach so he can't circle oh. circle the land so uh, poor Be feel bad for Bezos. i could see people being Rightfully upset about that. Uh, yes, they are. But guess what they're going to do at, right after that? They're going to shop on Amazon. <laughs> it's still the best <laughs> place to shop. Do not forget to become a patron of the show on patreon.com forward slash last man earth. Thanks to all our new patrons. Get in the shit now before I take away this offer of you to pay us. I don't know when that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, if I was thinking about like the, the most corrupt thing I could think was like the WWE going to Saudi Arabia to do their thing anyhow after like they killed Khashoggi and everything. Yeah. And Vince McMahon is just like a beast of like a money maker. And I, I was thinking like it's so crude. But then I thought like they're WWE. I mean, they don't really like 
They're so, it's sort of like football or basketball or like that. They're just a, a unscrupulous sport. So why would they care that like oh the king's killing like people? What what the fuck? It's wrestling. Yeah, and they don't even care when their own wrestlers die. No, like why? <laughs> it was like how can you do this WWE <laughs> and Hogan and like Hogan, Hogan how, how can you come out of retirement to wrestle in, in Saudi Arabia? I'm like I don't know. Four, yeah, why would four million, four million dollar paycheck? Vince McMahon is a real life bad guy. Like he's a bad person. He's like a and Batman villain. He's so uh, comfortable in his skin with this that he just made himself the bad guy in the wrestling. Yes. Like, like he has yes. the character of the bad person. And also he is that in real life. He's a flesh peddler, if you will. But I, I kind of I used to like the product. So and I don't hate pornographers. So I'm getting off that topic. <laughs> if you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Man Podcast or on Facebook. Also Last Man Podcast. All right. On to the show. Matt, when did you finally cancel your GQ magazine subscription? Was it a month ago? Six months ago? I never quite understood GQ. I I didn't. I don't understand it either. I look at it, you know, if I'm in the dentist's office or something, and it's. I swear to God, it's just always the same shit. It's like, do you wear a brown belt? Yes, it's always about belts, black right? Shoes and yes. just shoes and belts. I'm like, who fucking reads this? This is lame. Well, I think it back in the day, like when Rolling Stone was going and other magazines were going, they would actually hire good writers to pen meaningful pieces at times. Yeah, they'd actually do political pieces or they do like social commentary pieces or about Interviews. men's men's world, sports, auto, and stuff like that. Now you're right. It's just this fill of like sort of like sh- e-commerce shit you can buy. Like yeah, and like crappy like sharper image stuff. Yes. Like the new vapes you have to see. Yeah, it's like I don't have to see any of this. What are you? T- they keep t- they keep selling about? those things online. Like I see those ads for like these websites where you can see the latest hot gadgets and yeah, it's all sharper image shit. And like like that. How is that possibly cool for a guy to like want to be impulsively shopping? I never, under, I never. I would assume that. if you're a woman and you notice that you're, you know, the guy you're dating has subscribed to GQ, yes. that's like a red flag, and yes. you, you tell all your friends, and he's going to be into cigars, which is gross. <laughs> like I want to, lo- I'll look at like the two million dollar uh, state of the art car, like some wildly fantasy object, but I'm not going to look at eight hundred dollar suit, like lineups of eight hundred dollar suits or. $600 watches. That doesn't appeal to me. Things that I could actually buy if I wanted to, I suppose, has no appeal to me. It just represents the worst kind of guys, the the Lawrence Fishburns yeah. of the world. You know, the guys that, um, you know, that think cigars are cool. And they're like, did you see my new sunglasses? And I'm like, is this what we're talking about right now? <laughs> like, you are lame. You're like a lame, lame dude. I do remember when I went to the, when I was a kid, I guess I was a kid. I don't remember. The Midwest, I have relatives in Chicago, so I visited Chicago. And how different Chicago was from the West Coast was like, it's like so unmaterialistic that when someone bought, I remember one of my cousins bought a VCR and like the whole neighborhood came over to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't like the nice one. It was like the low end VCR. And oh, you got the VCR. Like that's like, it was probably like an $80 VCR. Like, and the whole like neighborhood actually came over to look at it. Like it was the birth of baby Jesus. That's sad. (laughs) Just like, they're so non-materialistic. Like, oh, maybe we'll get one for like two Christmases from now or something like that. And it's not that they're all poor. It's just that they just didn't give a shit to buy stuff unless they really needed it. It's just a different mentality. Like, do I really need it? Nah, that's okay. I'll get, I'll get the kids shoes instead or something. There was no, no desire to like, I'd rather like, it was cool to go to your neighbors and look at their VCR and not have to have one yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. I got my, um, 
I didn't get a lot of stuff like this, but my mom splurged and got me the pumps, the Reebok pumps. Nice. The first yes. pumps. I think I was in the third grade. This really helped your basketball shooting, I'm sure. No, I actually became a huge target. Her plan <laughs> to do something nice kind of backfired. But, uh, you know, kids are stupid, but yes. they, they really were like, oh, so you can dunk now? And <laughs> the like, pumps. No. <laughs> That's not how what did the pumps do? They just pump. It just pumped air into the shoe, right? It didn't do anything. It was no. supposed to like, it it was just yeah, so your tongue. ankle support, right? Yeah, like it just made the the shoe snugger. <laughs> it was just the tongue inflated a little bit. So you could have just tied the shoelaces a little t- a little, t- a little tighter. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So anyhow, GQ magazine, which we now know is utterly ridiculous, and as far as I can tell, they're all funneled content from India, India farms uh, of guys who write content mail. They just click off mail lifestyle, publish something about the belts and ties. Uh, they, of course, are very PC, like all the remaining magazines. They decided for ma- their Man of the Year award again. This, I didn't realize the second year in a row. They're going for Serena Williams. When are you going to give me my apology? You owe me an apology. Say it. Say you're sorry. She's the, like the new Caitlyn. She's the Caitlyn Jenner of 2018, which is like all you have to do is say Serena, and people are like, oh, man, you're so inclusive and diverse and, and power, empowering. Like, you know the same words like we got Serena. She's on the cover, and this is a men's magazine. Check check us out. Right. Uh, but what happened was, uh, in their cool in their cool desire to be virtuous, uh, they called her Woman of the Year, and they used this like graffiti edgy graffiti artist to do the cover, and they put the word women in quote. The guy, artist uses quotation marks because that's apparently his signature. Well, I'm confused on that looking at at the cover right yes. now because it says men of the year and then like you said, men is X'd out and then woman in quotes. In quotes. But wouldn't it be women of the year? Because it said men of the year, but is she the only person? She's the only woman who, well, actually, they I think they gave it to another woman too. Uh, it's so fucking confusing, Matt. And <laughs> what happened immediately was, of course, every single Serena fan, which are just, I don't know, insane angry women who jumped on this and said, why did you put women in quotes and accuse GQ magazine of, of demeaning Serena Williams? You can't really say anything about Serena Williams other than she's amazing, powerful, and, and, and beautiful without being attacked for demeaning her. Well, it is kind of funny because she is very manly. She's on the cover of this men's magazine, and the, and the woman is in quotes. So I'm reading it like, woman of the year? Yes, like, you, you read it like that, but and I would read it like that's that. That's not how it's supposed to be. No, it's supposed to be actually very complimentary. And so they, the, the GQ marketing people had to try to explain to this angry rolling tide on social media of people who are threatening them that they actually hired this super edgy urban street artist who designed stuff, and his signature thing is to put text in quotes for whatever reason. Because I guess urban edgy urban artists have run out of ide- run out of ideas. Yeah, because that's real edgy. It, if I th- if I think an idea sounds like something Kanye would do, then I think it's pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. So they actually. So here's the question: Like, what is actually uh, the dumbest part of the story? The fact that GQ magazine exists, the fact that they picked Serena, they went out of their way to pick a woman, Serena Williams, the, the, the fucking Allah or Muhammad of the PC culture, who you can't make fun of or, or draw cartoons of. Uh, to try and appease, I don't know, people that don't even read their own magazine. Uh, the fact they went out of their way to hire a cool street artist uh, to make themselves seem hip, or the fact that the guy works with quotes for some reason and that pissed off serious people and everything fucking backfired in their face. What's the dumbest part of that entire story? I guess the dumbest part is the very obvious 
um, reach for relevancy and yes. and um, edginess by putting the woman on the so like, here's what we're gonna do all these people that make salaries god knows why um we'll we'll put a woman on the instead of man we'll make it a woman it's like okay yeah yeah we get it i get it i get a what strong, you're doing powerful woman we understand it's fucking stupid you're stupid everyone that reads this magazine is stupid and i also don't get why whoever it is that has to explain to these yentas that um you know this is what the artist does and it's not how about we stop explaining shit to people about why they're wrong and like (laughs) just let them figure it out because i feel like that's all i do is tell people why they're wrong and it doesn't really have any effect on them they're still gonna be wrong about a bunch of other shit there's just people that are that are habitually it's people that i've noticed this people nowadays they want they want to have opinions you know, they want to be informed and, and they want to be the person that, that uh, you know, has all these hot takes at the party. But they don't want to invest the, the effort no. to actually no. have valid opinions. No. So they won't read and then they'll just sort of like have these stances. This is how like Twitter has gone into the real world, which is they're literally in conversation now just retweeting information. Right. <laughs> to you live face to face. There's been this whole thing about how like how, you know, Twitter has made people angrier and more demonstrative and more hardcore in their positions but with less information than ever before right. to support their positions and now that carries over to, to, to real life where they just want to tell you what shit that exists because they heard it on a podcast for five minutes or they had an article on facebook liked uh the level of information the low information levels among people who make exclamation point commentary is, is quite is quite dramatic yeah i have a friend who's like a huge trump guy and he'll never really admit that but so he's obviously getting these points from some kind of radio station while he's driving and then sort of repeating them so he comes in and and he's like he he's like he's got this uh smoking gun piece of information (laughs) and he's like you know i think the democrats are the ones that uh gave the fbi the the information about the trump meeting and i was like yeah they very well may be and uh, so then we got in this argument. I quickly realized he didn't know what he was talking about. So I said, okay, instead of me arguing with you, I'm just going to send you these two articles. I'm going to text them to you right now. Just read these and then get back to me with your opinion. And he goes, I don't read. <laughs> I think people, I think people have always, on politics have always had like very simplistic uh, ideas, vocal, vocally simplistic stuff. I don't think that's changed a lot. Like, I don't think people, they always use, oh, 80% of people used to read newspapers. I think they mostly read the comics in the sports section. Yeah. I don't think, like, the average American used to, like, go in-depth, like, on New York Times articles on, you know, overseas or uh, politics or the economy. So I think it was always, like, you followed whoever your political leader, you know, whoever your partisan side was. I think what's changed now is people think they're informed. <laughs> people think they're informed. Yeah. Is they're getting fake, they're getting fake news, as it were. And so now they get revved up thinking like, not only do I feel this way, but now I'm validated in my feelings and I have all this information, which is all generally false or very cursory. (laughs) So now I can really argue like before it was just like, I always vote Democrat, I always vote Republican, I hate Trump, I love whatever. But like, you know, that's just a sloganism. But now they back it up with bad information. (laughs) Like they really have you now because now they have bad research or bad stories, unfounded stories because Alex Jones passed something to them. Yeah, because I might be referencing the new york times and then uh, they'll say something like well you know the new york times is not a credible 
news source and they're super biased. It's like, okay, so there are a few problems. But in terms of sources, it's I don't know how you can do a lot better in this day and age. And meanwhile, th- yeah, their source is Alex Jones, who's <laughs> twisted something from a from a source from a source. Yes, and and they're acting like these two things are well, th- actually, that their source is better. So you can just handpick your source, and you can find any source to say any fucking retarded thing that that you already think. So have you ever tried to read a newspaper front to back, <laughs> like I, cover I to used cover? To. I mean, and I think they've cut down on pages quite dramatically in print editions. But I remember in the old days, like the whatever what, ver, your city's version of the LA Times, whatever it was, especially major city paper. It was the front section was like sixty pages of like articles, and they weren't mostly long form. But it would take you a few hours to get through the whole <laughs> section daily. So I don't know that many people were actually the like guys who used to ride on trains or had long commutes or something might have read it, and certainly people in their certain areas. But I can't believe that that great a percentage of Americans actually read a lot of the hard news in the papers. It was cumbersome to read, and I mean, you would see occasionally. You know, you probably knew the people that were reading them because the they'd have giant stacks of them, and they'd like I was getting the newspaper in, up until like 2011 or 12 because yeah. I'm just technical technologically behind, <laughs> and I was living in this really crappy house with these guys, and they just said you you need to stop like we can't <laughs> have this fucking all these newspapers yeah it's around. huge amounts of newspaper that track roaches by the way i mean it was like the really yeah like when they get wet and stuff like that it tracks bugs and roaches it was probably the 10th grossest thing that was happening in the apartment yes in that place but, for but it's some a lot reason, of pa- it's a lot of fucking paper though and yeah it's a lot of paper it's probably a waste of paper and I think most people go most guys go for the sport the women go for whatever section the men go they, i mean there's a reason why they have a a women's lifestyle section in the paper and shopping section and th- with the Macy's ads. And there's a reason why they have the sports section. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the comics and the crosswords and the uh, whatever else they have. I've seen people are sort of picking and choosing what they go through in the newspapers. There weren't many people reading cover to cover, even of the front of, of the front page news, which is pretty dense. I mean, the New York Times is pretty dense. Yeah. So you'd have to have a lot of time to do that. But yeah, no, we have a very low information society. The Serena Williams people are just fucking nuts. Like she is like she is the Muhammad of America. She's protected by this cadre of people for and I can't really point. I mean, she's a good tennis player for sure. And she's unusually unusually strong. But I can't really point to a lot of things. And I'm sure she's done some good charity work here and there. I can't really point to any monumental things she's actually done for anybody but herself. And she's such a weird sort of figurehead idol for people. You know, first just being a s- for women being a sports star, I think I, I wish women did better than that. Like I know guys like love jocks and they admire <laughs> jocks. I wish women did better, did better than that. Like had better, right. idol- better idols. Uh, but no, they went with the uh, overly muscular, uh, 180 pound uh, woman who seems to complain and dramatize and complain about her life so much, which I'm sure has some downsides to it, but seems to have a lot of upsides. Yeah, she's super self righteous and. She's opinionated, but all of her opinions are just centered around what's best for her yes. bottom line. Whereas, you know, I mean, Muhammad Ali was in he was in prison. Yes. And uh, no, no, uh, there is no comparison between Serena Williams and Muhammad Ali other than they were probably took some r- racial. Ra- I mean, Muhammad Ali took a shitload of racial hatred. She's probably taken some. She, you know, there's always like every two years, some idiot in the stands yells something racist like, to her somewhere. And so I'm sure that's, unple- that's unpleasant to deal with. Uh, but outside of the emotional impact it has on her, it hasn't had any, obviously, uh, material impact on her life whatsoever. 
No. And Michael Jordan was lame, but he's, you know, maybe the best athlete of all time. So I get why he would be admired. Charles Barkley had a point. He had a stance. You know, I'm not politically correct. I'm yes. not a role model. I thought that was cool. Um, so I could see kind of him making magazine covers. And um, I don't know if you guys here and there, I think, have been uh, kind of uh, stronger women than it's always it's always a uh, uh, celebrities. Well, we did see Emily Rajakowski, the leading feminist uh, voice of feminism, uh, braless at the uh, Lakers <laughs> Lakers game last night. So on TV, or posing? You? No, she was Instagram photoing her 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 breasts, uh, courtside courtside at the Lakers game. So we're in good hands. Of, we're in good hands, of America. <laughs> like I know the thing about the thing about feminism, modern feminism, is the whole idea is that anything a woman does that she wants to do is empowering. Like, she can smear feces on her face. But if she chooses to do that, that's somehow empowering. Right. So if you're just selling your tits on, on camera, that is now empowering, which men don't have the same don't have the same luxury. All right, Sir Williams, GQ, I'm canceling my subscription. I don't think I ever had GQ before. I always looked at guys who picked it off the rack, like, and wonder like, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, what's going on with you? Like, why would you? There's all these men's magazines here. Why are you picking? Why are you picking GQ? <laughs> Matt, I believe you were uh, weaned uh, off uh, your mother's breast uh, at the age of one week. <laughs> <laughs> That's the suck, by the way. Having a baby sucking on your tit, ha- I hear from every woman that it just hurts and it sucks. Um, and women, you know, modern women complain a lot more probably than the, in the old days. It was just expected of you. But apparently it's a fairly physically unpleasant uh, experience over time. I would imagine that it is. I w- I'm sure it doesn't feel great. I mean, it's the nurturing of your child and the nursing of your child, which probably feels emotionally tremendous. But, you know, having a thing uh, sucking and eventually like biting on your, <laughs> your breast. Well, it can really tear up a uh, set of nipples. Uh, yes. Yes. Tell you that much. They're never quite the same, which is why I believe that the, the women who make a living off showing their breasts uh, are not generally the ones who are breastfeeding tremendously. And they're handing them off. And also, by the way, in the old days, they just had wet nurses. So that rich women, women of means, did not have to nurse the children at all. How does that work again, <laughs> biologically? Can you with a wet nurse? Do you, uh, don't you have to be pregnant to? Be uh, I'm going to go on a limb, having very low, limited knowledge of female <laughs> anatomy, and say that uh, women can't. They obviously, when they give birth, they they create milk. Their uh, mammary glands start filling up with milk. But also, women who have given birth, if they continue to nurse just constantly, it never goes away. That's frightening. Yes. <laughs> Which leads us to the lovely Sharon Spink from England. I like to say that uh, fat, ugly, obnoxious women making points in blogs and on and, and magazines are only a British problem, but they're not. <laughs> but the UK Sun does always, fi- does always find them. So Sharon Spink was, uh, had a big news story this week because she was this woman, I'm sure you don't remember, you don't follow like uh, nursing stories like I do. Uh, four years ago, she was, the UK Sun did a big spread on her she was still nursing her child at five, which is only made more horrific by the fact they had tons of photos of her five-year-old nursing on her breast, on her bare breast, uh, while she's like dressed for kindergarten, which is, a, wh- what's the oldest age you've ever seen a child, actually, you've physically witnessed a child nursing? I. It's an odd question. I asked, mean, but like, have you ever seen uh, like an uh, unduly old, older age child beyond what you thought was like? No, just a baby. I would really? say, I would say one maybe, I don't know. I've I've seen yeah up to one probably but then I was on an airplane one time and this uh, it was a German they were German I know they're speaking German it wasn't uh, I don't think it was an international flight I don't remember it was a long flight kid was kid was acting up screaming crying just complaining whining I'd say he was six years old maybe 
you know, long flight, just antsy, eh, cranky, whatever. So his mom calls him over, lifts up her shirt, and puts him on her tit. Mm. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> whatever she said in German. And here's the thing I thought. First, okay, good. Finally, the kids just fucking shut, <laughs> shut, <laughs> shut up. That's great because you've been going on for like an hour. Uh, but it looks so disturbing to me. I don't know what it was. I mean, the kid was walking. He was dressed like a normal, like a first grader. Dist- yeah, that's, I was going to say, once you're out of the onesie and <laughs> yes. you're wearing sneakers and <laughs> yes. little cute yeah. little jeans. Your Reebok pumps. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think that's the cutoff. Uh, and I don't know. I, I assume he was suckling. I, I don't know. He was definitely on it. It was attached to her boob with his mouth. Um, and I thought that was disturbing. So when I see these uh, stories, I'm always kind of fascinated by how uh, grotesque and sort of uh, uh, a gothic, that gothic they are in their visual representation. That's why I wouldn't be a great parent, and I know that, which is I'd be like, well, why don't we just get the formula? Yes. Because, you, know? you know, I don't want your boobs to be all, all chewed up. And, you know, I'd be like, well, research has shown, you know, the kid will be kind of underweight. And I'd be like, fuck it. That's okay. We got an obesity problem in this country. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Kid can lose a few pounds. Well, there's a new thing I think pushed, especially by celebrity culture, uh, of nursing because uh, celebrities who have all of one point one child uh, want to show you how difficult their lives are when they have children. <laughs> uh, they have to show you, so they of course have these glamour selfies nursing their children, like while they're in the dress- dressing room chair. Right, right. You know how hard that is when you're trying to get hair and makeup done before a TV show. Uh, when you need to nurse your child, that's the average American's uh, problem, average American woman's problem. So you have like Alyssa Milano with her hair done, her breasts perfectly out, and the baby on her breast saying, "I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to nurse my chi- nurse my and love my child as I as I see fit." And you're like, "Who are you? Who are you arguing? With? Who are you arguing with?" And by the way, can you show some more? T- can you show some more tits without the baby? Yeah, it's become a real um, "I am woman" thing. Like my. Uh girlfriend worked at UCLA and this uh, they hired a woman as a consultant or whatever so she was coming in as a new person and uh, so she said you know I need uh, like a private room allotted so I can do the breastfeeding and they said okay and whatever and then she said um, and I need you to purchase a mini fridge where I can <laughs> store the uh, milk and even UCLA was like why don't you go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> like you know this this whole thing of so it's something that people have been doing, obviously, for well. Uh, clearly, <laughs> nursing is like years. evolutionary nursing. You need. I mean, th- you assume the poor, the per- the poor, the culture, and the mother and the person, the more they rely on breastfeeding to nurse their child, because they don't have access to uh, modern Western uh, things that uh, you know uh, mothers do here in the United States, which is tons of other options to feed their child, especially after they get to be three or four months old. Right. So they, you know, they're poor. They have no food. So they breastfeed the kid till they're two or three sometimes because that's the only nourishment they can give them. Um, but of course, it's always the wealthy women of Brentwood who are showing off the need of their child to nurse <laughs> when they don't. When they, the least likely child who actually has to has to. Well, have is nursing. that more efficient? I'm not a doctor, but so the the mom is just eating all the calories and then converting that to milk. I mean, it's very high fat. It's a very high in fat content. Oh, it also passes antibodies. I mean, it's it's. Depending on the research you look at, it's very healthy. And then, of course, there was a time when I, I'm pretty sure I was a formula kid. There was a time when, you know, formula was invented and became widespread, and everyone went like all the moms went yay, because fuck that, because fuck, especially with you know back in the day when moms had four, three, four, five kids, a lot of fucking nursing going on. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like Alyssa Milano with the one kid. This is like a Catholic mom with like seven kids, 
and they're coming year after year. The fucking Irish twins are coming year after year, and they're like, you know, their tits fucking hurt, and so and it's tiresome. And then you can't sometimes you can't get the milk out, or you can't. There weren't pumps back then. So yeah, I was gonna like, say is most guys, whether or not they they want to admit it, or they find the act somewhat disturbing, or, yes, or at least like uh, off-putting. Uh, but isn't it just the actual sucking? Uh, like if couldn't you just pump it into a bottle and uh, you know or pump you know a pump or yeah squeeze so that's it. what they do that's what women who work do now because they can't be with the child all day long so they pump and put it in the fridge and they or somebody else can feed the child the same exact milk yeah because to me the kid drinking the glass of of breast milk is not you know it's it's not the, the worst part to me is a nine year old sucking <laughs> on a boob <laughs> yes because it's it's sexual at some point. Well, I don't agree. I, I, I disagree with the people who are calling her this. So this woman, Sharon Spink, after being uh, uh, keyed up four years ago in a big UK sun spread about her five-year-old nursing on her, took all the harsh feedback and decided to continue to nurse for four more years and she just did her final spread in UK sun. Now that her daughter, Charlotte, is nine and has decided on her own to wean off her mother's, off her mother's breasts. So I didn't read this. I, I, did I you would, see the picture? Did you see the photo? I saw the photo, yeah. Okay. Is there a... Uh, a contingent of people holding this woman up as a hero. I'm sure she fancies herself like a real progressive revolutionary. But does she know that sh- this is a freak show? You know, this is a novelty story along the lines of a Jerry Springer show. I, th- I think so. I th- so the, the support <laughs> for nursing in, in the Western world uh, uh, sort of drops as you go as a child gets older and older. So let's say like. You know, 80% of women think you should breastfeed an infant and then 60% think after six months and then like 40, 30% after a year. And then by two years, it drops to pretty much close to zero. And so the number of people who actually support a woman breastfeeding a nine-year-old are just a hardcore breastfeeding activist who are stuck in their own pathology and their own, uh, you know, brochures that they they can never say it's wrong to breastfeed a child because they're stuck in their little their little mantras that it's it's natural and normal and the child will decide when it's time to stop breastfeeding. Yeah. Which is of course utterly ridiculous. I don't even let my kids set set the thermostat. Like I <laughs> like the, you don't let your children everyone always says that like we saw this when we talked about the kids the boys were dressing as girls at like 7 or 8 years old, the celebrity kids. Yeah. And they're always like this is what my son or son wants to do. This is his decision and we let him make it. I'm like you don't let your seven-year-old make important, super important decisions around the house. No, they're dumb as shit. Wouldn't they just eat Skittles all day? <laughs> yes. Like they don't decide what they eat. You don't let them decide where they go to school. <laughs> they don't decide like I, I like I said. I don't, thermostat. I don't let my kids hold a remote. Like you know, you're not allowed to pick out what programming you watch. You're going to decide on major issues such as like, will my diet consist of sucking on my mom's boobs when I when I leave fourth when I leave fourth grade? Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I just let my dog uh, piss on the carpet. You know, I just uh, I, I just let him do whatever he wants. Sometimes he bites uh, little kids on the face. It's, you know, it's just whatever he feels like. No, you <laughs> have to lay down some serious ground rules. Yeah, you tell the kid, look, you're two now. You're not going to be on mom's breasts anymore. I mean, I assume some kids still want it then. I mean, guys, of course, want breasts their entire life. I assume it's born out of that desire to, to breastfeed when they're babies. Um, they still want the they still want the boobs. There's a whole boob culture we have going on here. I assume it starts at nursing, uh, but this is kind of disturbing. And of course, it grows out of these these like self righteous memes of like, okay, so like there was a whole th- scandal we've talked about many times in here about like self created scandal of like women who are nursing in restaurants or other places feel like they're being uh, they're being uh, doxxed by people and they're being attacked by people for 
breastfeeding in public when I've never ever talked to someone who knows anyone who's been attacked by breast. There's like just not many people. And by the way, it's always women when it does occur <laughs> who will like walk, march over to a woman breastfeed her infant and say, stop that disgusting behavior now. Like who <laughs> says that? Uh, you know, a lady will usually go over sometimes, an older lady especially, say like, can't you do that in private, sweetheart, or something like that? Right. Uh, but there's no attack of nursing. They remember they had those ads with like for bre- breastfeeding rights. It was breastfeeding rights. And they showed like the dirty bus station uh, toilet right. like the needles and stuff and they said this is where women are forced to forced to breastfeed like in <laughs> diarrhea ridden <laughs> eighth needle <laughs> toilets like like that's the only two options like it has to be out it whipped out at denny's or it's in like the you know the the bus terminal the bus terminal or the port authority fucking aids tr- aids bus uh, toilet station like those are the only two options as opposed to like just going off the side somewhere. I, mean, I remember my wife used to bl- had a little blanket you use. Yeah. Some little thing. It's not that difficult. So obviously this is an activist. No, I mean, thing. I confront strangers more than most people. I believe that. And when I see, th- so it's like you see, like, what is that person doing? And then I see what they're doing and I go, oh, God. And then I, like, walk the other way. <laughs> it, it wouldn't occur to me, uh, you know, A, it's. They're not harming any. You know, they got the little blanket. No. It just takes you by surprise. Like, wait, what's going on? Oh, okay. I don't say. Uh, I mean, the only person I ever talked to is the guy who keeps urinating outside my burger place. There's a homeless guy. And uh, like, if I see someone, like, whipping out his dick and just urinating in the bushes, then I'll just fucking tell him. Just go go somewhere else, buddy. I mean, he doesn't, doesn't give a shit. But I feel obliged to say something because there's, like, first of all, it's disgusting. And second of all, there's, like, just kids and women walking around and the guy's drunk and just pissing in the bushes in the middle of the day yeah. so i feel like that's the standard of which like your civic responsibility engages i'm never going to go up to a woman who's feeding an in- if she's feeding a nine-year-old maybe maybe i i launched launched some uh catch a packet or something to her head yeah <laughs> well no way her husband's around so you don't have to worry about him no well of course as you know him. matt there's always these skinny nerdy husband in these situations the husband's always underweight like a milk toast like <laughs> soy we call them soy boys <laughs> like a like small little breasts and like a skinny dude with glasses who's like always 100 percent supports his wife clearly they're not having any sexual relations in their in their well they're producing children somehow but clearly they're not having a normal sexual uh lust filled uh, marriage yeah and the husband is clearly like whatever this pathology is of the of the breastfeeding it's the husband's part of this whole weird yes, thing and yes. that he has no personality. You get the feeling he's not really allowed to talk. He no. might be like retarded. Yes. Like he might have like a learning disability. Um, Does he remind you of those guys who are feeding their what the feeding the, the, the obese wives? <laughs> those guys <laughs> who are like feeding ice cream to their like too fat to get out of the bed wives. Right. right. They're always like the skinny, <laughs> the skinny dudes. What is that? It's, it's so a weird, weird fucking thing. Just stop breastfeeding. Your, they're always, the day like attractive women decide to like breastfeed their child till nine, I'll pay attention. I'll, I'll think it's an okay thing to do. It's always a woman with a butch haircut, obese, and she's always more than willing to show off naked photos of herself breastfeeding. The poor fucking kid. I mean, it's nine years old, and now these photos are all over the internet. So when she's nineteen at college somewhere, it's like, oh yeah, I've heard your name before. Wait a minute, we're oh there you are. You're fucking in fourth grade sucking on your mom's obese. BBW fat titty. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, sorry you about put that. Put it that way. <laughs> I want to go back to Amazon. That Amy sent an email. I love. I, I just. I love speaking of arch evil people. 
Bezos, I think, is the, Jeff Bezos is the most evil person who looks like the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> like he is like he seems like I mean, I, it was always like Amazon was built out of this like, you know, S- Seattle thing. And it was like this like very counterculture disrupt. It was always going to disrupt the way business is done for the benefit of all the very utopian type ideals of Bezos. Uh, meanwhile, he's turned himself into and I, I kind of I mean, he's largely a self-made man. We didn't come from a lot. He was always a very smart guy. Um, I did a little. Re- I didn't know that. So, he, did you know his father was seventeen when he was born? It was a high school, a high school romance. I did not know that in Albuquerque. So, like, he wasn't. And I think his grandfather was some engineer. The, the father's father was some engineer, or something like that. But nothing like money-wise, you know, smart professional. But nothing like he wasn't like Trump, where he was handed a hundred million dollars and made eighty. So four hundred million. <laughs> yes, actually. whatever it is. I mean, this is a guy who like he had, he had money for school and stuff like that. But he made the company himself. Um, and but now he's become like this evil guy just taking over the fucking world. Uh, and he definitely w- has like aspirations of world domination. Yes, while smiling and pretending he's doing it for other people. Which but is what has he done that's so terrible? Like I don't think of him as a as a bad guy. Well, he's are, he's not intentionally putting every single mom and pop store in the country out of business. Yeah, but that's what he's doing. <laughs> so and, and you know I mean if he was like a, a a virulent free market guy and just said well. Fuck it! The mom and pops are charging four bucks for this, and I can tr- I can send it to you for two eighty, so it's better for people. And if he was like a very ruthless like guy like that, free marketer guy, I'd be like, okay. I mean, I don't respect you as much, but I understand what you're saying. But he puts on this veneer of like, you know, we are the world. Hold hands. We're gonna like I make the world better for other people. And he's bec- you know got himself eighty five billion eighty five billion dollars. Yeah, he has a staggering amount of money. I, and I, I'm always nervous when people start buying up media. Yes, because uh, yes. you know that that hasn't worked. Well, out too even well. scarier than that is he's, he's retained like every single huge law uh, lobby firm in D.C. to lobby Congress to make sure that everything he's got going now is going to keep going is going to keep going that they're not going to start like finding ways to break them up or to, to not give them the cheaper postal rates or other shit they advantage they get for a while. Remember, they weren't collecting taxes. Right, right. <laughs> up until like really, really recently. Yeah, and sometimes I still don't pay. I don't know how it works. I still don't pay taxes on some stuff, so I don't quite understand that. But yeah, I purchased I think Amazon for ten years without paying state taxes, um, so they were definitely cheaper. And I love Amazon, by, the service, by the way. So uh, Amy wants to know: Didn't Amazon know all along where they were moving and just tease tons of cities to see how slutty and desperate they would be? <laughs> because. I mean, they, it was like a year ago they announced HQ2. Uh, the Seattle was expanding. They're going to move to another city in the U.S. And it was like even worse than the Olympics, I think, when they picked the Olympic cities. Mm-hmm. Because even smaller cities like Dayton, Ohio, thought they had a chance. And just like every city mayor and city council came out with these like gross offers of huge tax breaks and, and cash to like have Amazon come set up shop in their town. It was like an utterly disgusting display of like hoariness. So like, yeah, so Amazon gets much needed tax breaks. The workers still paying all the taxes, actually paying for the facility they're working in. Ironically <laughs> enough, yes. Um, I didn't know that they built him a that New York built him a helipad. A helipad, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's got to be some federal regulation in terms of, you know whoever does the most favor whoever sucks off bezos the hardest you know gets the privilege of of having this um this big economic incentive but like when football teams convince cities to pay for their stadiums yes like i know the argument it's like it's going to bring in a lot of money it's like all right well then pay for the stadium if it's if you're going to be making all that money i i just think like 
cities and states should kind of unionize, pu- you know, pull together and say, look, we're not going to be doing you these big favors. If you want to build your um, factory, build it wherever you want, but we're not subsidizing it for you. And they never, they know, the, uh, the stadiums I know for sure never pay off. They've never, ever paid off. There's a rare circumstance where a publicly funded stadium has ever paid off. And I actually knew, uh, several years back, knew one of the guys who worked at that, like the lead firm that does those analysis of how much money the city and area is going to make from the new stadium. Because they always say it's going to cost us $800 million, but we're going to make $2 billion in tax revenue. And they fudge. They lie about all the stats. They just, it's stats. They just favor them like, you know, very wildly optimistic stuff and all the stuff like that. And so they just literally just fudge it to get to a number they need to convince the voters to vote to vote on it. Yeah, because the owners know the right people. And then they're like, oh, you don't want to pay for it? Well, maybe we can just take... Uh Take our team uh, to Arizona, or and they move, and they build them another, and they build them a public stadium, there, which is really crazy because these are all obviously billionaires. It's insane. <laughs> yes, but we got to agree to stop doing that. <laughs> if no one agrees to do it, then we won't have to do favors for billionaires. It remi- Amazon reminded me of like if there was a hot chick in high school who knew she was going to the prom or whatever with the high school quarterback. But she starts trolling like the chess club and other guys. I can just like <laughs> uh, maybe I might be available just to see what their offer like. You know, I'll, t- I'll take you to like, you know, there, if you're, I don't know if you had those kind of girls in your high school, but like they were very materialistic or might be open to. Uh, I remember uh, a guy I knew uh, dated uh, one of the cheerleaders because he could get her cocaine hmm. uh, and she was very open about it. <laughs> so which I found refreshing at the time. Um, he was not in her league, but if he could provide some drugs then uh, they could they could date for a little while. Yeah, it's kind of like um, when Kevin Durant's a free agent. And he's like, yeah, I'll go meet with Miami. Yes. Yeah, I have no intention of signing with them. No. But if they want to develop a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and take me out to dinner, right. like, yeah, I'll fly to Miami. <laughs> I'll take three free days with sure. Fountain Blue and, like, <laughs> ladies and cars and restaurants. Yeah. I mean, I really, was there, here's the funny thing is, like, he picked, ultimately picked D.C. and New York. I have to believe those were the top two options from the very beginning. Yeah. So, it was like, there was no chance Akron was going to get this or, like, Kansas City or Albuquerque or whatever, all these cities like put out these huge presentations and like offered up where's it gonna go and it was all like come to our town and everything. It was really kind of sad because he was just trolling. I think he was just tro- he had no intention of going to the other cities. He's trolling, but I would assume there's also leveraging. Of yes, New York yes, and yes. DC. Like, hey, we, we got several. He got a billion and a half, billion and a half from New York, and I don't know what he, I assume a similar amount in DC. Um, so he could be near, <laughs> he could be near, near Congress and his, lo- his lobbyists. Um, I mean, it would have made more sense if they're going to get kickbacks to at least put it in like a fucking Detroit or something where they desperately need the jobs. Right. He put it in the two, basically two of the wealthiest, most economically vibrant cities already in the in the country, where of course they can I'll be happy to have the jobs, but don't they don't need more. Uh, upscaling of, of Queens and Brooklyn and Brook in Brooklyn. Right. Um, I mean, it's ridiculous. He could have restored. He could have put it in a city in the Midwest and Michigan or the Rust Belt where they actually really needed the ec- economic boost. And then you could have said, okay, they spent a billion and a half dollars, but they r- it's really going to transform this area. They ain't gonna do shit to those area, these other metropolises. Yeah, they're <laughs> see more guys on razor scooters <laughs> going to Starbucks. <laughs> so it's going to be a total of like thirty thousand jobs between the two cities. I mean, that would have completely, if they moved to like El Paso or one of these cities that was b- vying for it, would have completely transformed those like downtrodden cities. Right. So that's why I call him an evil, evil, <laughs> evil bastard. I think he knew 
He was like the hot chick in school. He she knew he was going. She was going with the high school quarterback to the to the prom. Just trolling. I agree. I'm sure he the B list. I'm sure he had it. Yeah, already lined up. It wasn't like a coincidence they picked the the biggest, richest cities to move to. Right. Yeah. Poor fucking Bezos. Uh, he is a, a, a any any guy who's got eighty five billion dollars is too is too much. How weird is he getting? Is he thinking he's like a black belt in karate yet? <laughs> like that type of weird? He's a weird looking dude. I mean, that's, it's, I, I'm, I'm pretty much on the capitalist side, but it's scary when people have that much money. Cause they, when they literally, the accumulation of wealth of single individuals, where they literally can do whatever the fuck they want. They can actually be a Bond villain. Like right. you have so much money, you could literally buy countries. You can literally buy governments. You can whatever you can do that you know. If you had like Jay Z money, you couldn't do because he's only got three hundred million. Yeah. So he can buy nice houses and cars and a private island made in the Bahamas, but he can't shift world events. No, I mean there's a problem with with the system and with the way that these profits are allotted. And obviously he's you know super smart and he deserves to be wealthy, but. You know, for one person to have as much money as the next 200 million people yeah. is it's a, not healthy. It's a problem. It's not healthy, especially when you find out that there are, you know, maybe, I don't know what Warren Buffett's doing behind the scenes, but especially when you hear that they're actively lobbying government agencies on, 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 on commerce bills and economic bills, yeah. when he's using that money to actively get more money. Right. <laughs> like you know i'm sure bill gates does that too bill gates has his foundation so he's like saving millions of lives around the world and he's probably doing lobbying too but when they're actually using that money to move governments that's when it becomes really scary i mean you want to buy a fucking yacht or own a football team that's fine but when you're actually engaging in things that might actually hurt other people then it becomes really scary yeah so i'm no longer shopping at amazon for the next 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i've been to a store like in 11 years <laughs> fucking love amazon wait for the drones <laughs> Matt, during the wild, were you affected by the wildfires in California? How did West Hollywood? I heard it was flaming. <laughs> no, yeah, it didn't get any uh, smoke. Did you get some smoke? Nope. I drove into the valley and it was really smoky, and I momentarily got kind of nervous. But then I was like, oh, well, if I was going to catch on fire, this road wouldn't be open. So. Um, Good thinking. Yeah, thanks. You got to think people say right before they die <laughs> in, a, in a conflagration. Uh, I was just thinking, like, uh, the smoke was really bothering me. Then I thought, this is probably Cher's home. And then I felt a little better about, I felt a little better about myself. Well, you're in the you're in fire country. Nah, well, uh, the Bel Air fire was bad last year. We ha- almost had to evacuate. But mostly it's over in the uh, the western part of what would be the valley where it's it's – I mean, they're built up in the hillsides, like heavily in the hillsides, and there's a lot of vegetation around. Mm. But once you get a certain urban density, the fire danger is not really that dramatic. But if you're against like 5,000 acres of brush, you're in big trouble. I don't care where you are. Uh, and also, you got to clear. You definitely have to clear your around. You got to clear a thing around your house, right. which a lot of people don't do. Uh, I, it's just crazy. The way California builds is crazy. So you know, we just build in all these fire, and, and then there's the fire, and then there's the floods. And other natural disasters. People don't understand this, I think, when they complain about hurricanes and tornadoes. There's a lot of natural disaster in California that are not earthquakes. Everyone says, oh, yeah, earthquakes. A lot of fire and mudslides and people dying from shit in California that for some reason the news doesn't. Someone was asking, how come when there's like a, a hurricane in Florida, there's like all the news stations do 24-7 coverage for like a week. But when there's massive wildfires killing tons of people in California, the cable news outlets 
cover it for like 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day. Dude, I was watching the news. Remember in San Diego when there were, uh, what was it, mudslides or people were losing their houses? Was Santa, Bar- Santa Barbara, you mean? Uh, Up there, Santa Barbara, like Oprah's? This was before that, but same okay. same type of thing. And the, you know, the newscasters were kind of laughing about it. It was weird. They were being very glib. It was almost like, fuck these rich people. Yes. was yes. the attitude that I picked up on. Yes. Well, that's part of it. Also, I don't think that, uh, well, I mean, if you notice the local news, you watch the local news, they would actually put their reporters pretty close to the fires. Mm-hmm. And they'd always say, I got to get away from here. The fire's coming. Um, the best the best coverage, by the way, was when this this woman, uh, she didn't I understand how social media works. Uh, a reporter for one of the local news stations had uh, found a burnt cat. So the cat was burned. The firefighters put it in a cage and they gave it to her. The whole place is evacuated. So only news media is allowed. Only news media is the only civilians around. It's like they'll let the ABC truck, local ABC truck, go up there with the news reporter, but there's no other people around. There's a fire burning everywhere, and so the firefighters rescued a cat from a home. It was half burnt. It was still alive, and they gave it to this reporter and said, "Here, you take care of it. We have to go fight more fires." And the woman, instead of like doing something with the cat, is like going, "Okay, we can't leave here because we have to report from this area." If someone could come and get the cats <laughs> and this poor little burnt cat, like I don't even like cats, but it was singed. It was blackened and singed and still obviously alive. Its whiskers were all burned. And she's like, if only I could leave here to save this cat, but I have to stay here on, on, on point and report uh, pictures of fire behind me. And so, of course, uh, like social media, she put out her Twitter thing. If anyone can help, social media just lambasted her with like, Get the fuck off the camera. <laughs> You're not doing anything. Drive the fucking burnt <laughs> kitty to the, to the vets and take care of that thing. Like, if anyone can get up through the fire lines here to save this cat, I'm, I'm too busy as she's doing, like, her makeup in front of the burning homes. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Uh, Did you see the story, which I haven't been following the news that much, so sorry, but uh, there was a couple that was... So, in Malibu, there's, like, this serial killer that the sheriff's department is, like, covering up, and they finally arrested a guy. Yes. But they don't yes, know I remember that story. if it's the guy or not. And he killed a, a family um, at the campground. But So, there were two people found in Malibu, and this is just... I don't know how this works, but they were found burned in their car yeah. trying to escape the fire, and it said, authorities suspect foul play. <laughs> and I'm like, how is that possible i can't wrap my mind around it how they could be bur- murder someone by burning them in the car how you would murder someone in the middle of a fire like it'd be a great w- by the way a great time to kill someone if you want to kill somebody <laughs> since there's a bunch of people like burning up in homes right the last thing to do is look for like a knife wound on somebody who's burnt to a crisp in their home what, uh, a, what a dick move though they're already in the fire losing their house as far as i can tell everybody who most everybody. I mean, up in Northern California, it's a little different. They're in a very wooded, secluded area. But most everybody who gets, gets injured or, or killed in the fire is people who refuse to evacuate. Mm-hmm. Because they're very good. I, I got all the evacuation orders. They're very good about the evacuation orders. You have hours, pretty much always. At least an hour. It's always the people who want to stay and save their home who get burnt. Right. Always. And then the horses always, <laughs> horses always die. Well, yeah. so, uh, so here's the story. So Kim and Kanye, they live in that area. They, built, they have owned multiple homes, obviously. But they built this huge mansion in Hidden Hills. And uh, I don't know, it's $15, $20 million, $25 million. Who knows what it's worth? Um, but people are upset because they found they hired private, firefight, uh, private like, firefighters slash security to keep their home safe during the fires. And somehow everyone got upset about this. Like, this is like some devastating, like, 
lack of equality news like rich people would be hiring their own firefighters to save their homes during the fire or and or security from looting or things like that obviously which is going on uh i don't understand that isn't that the point matt of being rich is that you buy really nice shit and then you hire people to protect your really nice shit i mean that's that's why you're rich in the first place isn't it uh well in their case no but (laughs) usually uh yeah, I mean, it sounds like a good idea. I, I can't imagine criticizing someone. It, it has to just be because everyone hates them. Yeah. I mean, I, c- I couldn't imagine a normal person being criticized. Yeah, for yeah, yes and no. There's one thing I've noticed during the fire thing was like, so Gerard Butler or Cher or someone else. So the big part of the biggest, of course, national story about the fire is that celebrities' homes got burned down, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then people got really angry. Like, so there's a picture of Gerard Butler going like, look, I just lost my whole house. It burnt to a crisp. His cars are all burnt. And everyone's like, immediately goes to like, who cares? You could buy multiple houses. You could buy so many more houses. Like, shut up, motherfucker. I'm like, dude just lost his house, okay? I mean, obviously, yes, he can afford another house. But is this like the time after five years of loving Gerard Butler that you're actually going to like call him a motherfucker? People got really into this, like, wealthy people sort of deserve to have their homes burned down. <laughs> like, there's a very, like, Les Miserables thing going on, like, French Revolution thing. Like, where, like, they normally love, like, lifestyles of the rich and famous. But then suddenly when people lose their homes and are dare to complain about it, they're like, shut up, rich, wealthy motherfucker. You probably have seven other homes in Hawaii and wherever else. And I think that was part of the reason why they hated Kim and Kanye, like, you're so rich, you can afford your own firefighters. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. Isn't that, isn't that why you, they also probably have the best doctors? They rent the whole Cedar sinai top floor when they have babies. They have everything that's nice. They have lots of nice things. They have lots of money. That's why you have money. Yeah. I mean, are these people saying that if they were as rich as Kim Kardashian, that they would let just let their house burn down without taking any measures to stop it. I would think you would do everything in your power to stop it. I mean, if you were rich and you like insisted the fire department come to your house first, cause you had connections, I can see that like other people lost their homes. You had your home taken care of first. And by the way, I have to believe some of that. Some of that goes on. I think when Cher calls, I think she gets better, better service, but they didn't do that. They just hired additional private people to take care of their home that they paid for themselves and obviously did not hamper any of the other fire departments from doing their jobs. Did it work? Did the fire actually approach their house? Uh, I don't think it ever got that close to their home. They were, the, uh, I will have you know, the Kardashians were all three sisters were evacuated from their home, various homes. They live up in Hidden Hills where like Will Smith and, uh, uh, did you see Will Smith's uh, son came out? He's gay. Finally. <laughs> yes, I know. Like, like I just I don't want to shock you, <laughs> uh, but Will Smith's son uh, uh, claims he's dating a, dating a, another male rapper, and by another male rapper I mean a male rapper because I'm not sure what he is. Um, uh, although I don't necessarily believe the story because uh, Jane Smith came out w- with the announcement while he was performing at a Jane Smith concert, which I don't think exists in the first place. Because <laughs> I can't imagine who goes to see a Jane Smith rap concert picture i picture will smith like hiring a bunch of extras yes. and not telling jaden smith yes like everyone who's working on his current movie have to go over there afterwards <laughs> to be in it while his son announces that he's uh, in love with uh, tyler the creator uh who by the way uh uh in response to jaden smith uh, saying that the two of the two of them are dating uh came up with a, a cute response oh that nigger's crazy <laughs> yeah i didn't know that's like that is I don't know. Tyler, the creator, was gay. Did Jaden Smith just kind of out Tyler? I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on. Why these, are we? <laughs> these, crazy, these crazy kids. But so isn't it like, 
here's the thing. If you're going to have a country where you not only allow people to become rich, but also adore them for being rich. Literally, the Kardashians are adored for being rich. Uh, that's a big part of their shtick, is that they can buy all the stuff, go on these great vacations, live in these mansions. They buy each other Ferraris for birthdays. That's their pop part of the popularity, is that materialistic culture. Right. And then when they actually do something like life saving or home saving, you're gonna that's the time you're you're not gonna criticize them for the twelve million dollar engagement ring, but uh, paying uh, fifty grand to have private prior fires during a fight during a fire is when you're gonna go after them. Yeah, I mean I don't I feel like if Kim Kardashian just said like I'm just trying to protect my family <laughs> and my children, like half of those people would be like, oh my god, she's a hero. Like <laughs> I just think the the level of, of fickleness is so much that you can you can kind of tilt the scales with one cliche she's always yeah. voted you know the most hated celebrity every year they have the vote in some magazine she's voted the most hated celebrity and i've never ever ever met anyone who defends her like on a real level but she still has millions and millions of fans who pay lots of money and follow everything she does and buy shit she sells so i'm not sure who they are they're definitely out there and maybe they're just too embarrassed. Maybe it's like you said, like Trump supporters are just too embarrassed to say anything. <laughs> but like, you know, like, like 50 million people voted for Trump, but it's hard to find somebody, especially around here. So like Kim Kardashian has 12 million ardent followers, but I, for the life of me, can never find someone who admits to it. <laughs> but they're still buying her fucking perfumes and their clothes and handbags and shit. Yeah, it's weird. Odd. If I was rich, I would have my own fire for firefighters and uh, Mossad. I'd walk around with Mossad guys. Oh yeah, I'd have a whole police force. And then I'd antagonize people. What else would you do with like a lot? What else would you do with like huge amounts, copious amounts of money? I mean, yeah, they buy lots of houses, and I guess that's kind of fun for a little while, or cars, and you know, I don't know. What do you do with all that money? You can't really. I'd pay people to fight each other. Really? Yeah. Hobos or like legitimate fighters? I would fight the cop that gave me a ticket. Really? For, yeah, I'd tell him to get out of his uniform, and I'd you would pay him to fight you in a fair, in a fair bare knuckle fight. Bare knuckle? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. That's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, I'd probably have a few people killed. <laughs> I don't know. That would get really. I mean, after you spend like two million, I think you get bored of spending money. Yeah. And you got another three hundred million left in your bank account. What do you do with it? You just look at your, you just look at your kids and relatives who are coming after you for cash all the time. <laughs> it would suck. That's why those guys are. That's why I think they're so adamant, like to give away ninety percent of their money. It's because they'll still have like a tons of money left, but you have too much money, then just fucking everyone wants to do something. I'm always amazed too, by the way. Like in Mexico, if you have more than twenty grand on you, you get kidnapped. Right. <laughs> like, but in, in the U.S., you can have like be billionaires, and they don't ever seem to get kidnapped ever. Well, I'm not buying Warren Buffett's whole shtick. That he living uh, in the ran small ranch house. Yeah, he lives in a suburb of Omaha, and he uh, goes to McDonald's every morning. It's like, okay, well, yeah, someone would just kidnap you immediately. You think he's got a button and he pushes? Got a huge underground lair. Yeah, like state of the art, like Batman type shit. Yes, I do. I don't. Think and so. I think his humble car is bulletproof. What about his secretary he's had for forty? His forty secretary he's had for forty years. He still makes like thirty-two thousand dollars <laughs> a year. I'm. I just don't think that one of the richest people in the world uh, can lead a normal life the way he... he Didn't we used to have kidnappings in this country? I feel like we used to have... I mean, there was a, the Getty kidnapping years ago. They Getty, keep making movies about. Patty Hearst. Or she was just a criminal. They kidnapped her at first, I think. The Heineken guy got kidnapped in uh, Amsterdam. Yes. Yeah. It's just people walk around. It's weird. They like will kill each other for like $200 worth of shoes, <laughs> but they won't kidnap a guy worth like... You know, five hundred million dollars, which probably can't. I don't know how much. I mean, on the Kardashians, I know travel with security. They have one or two security guards with them everywhere they go. But that's not a lot of security. 
That's no. like Secret Service level security. You got they have that six foot eight inch tall, like three hundred fifty pound black dude who goes with them everywhere, who just intimidates the shit out of people. And they probably have like a smaller guy with a weapon on him somewhere. But I imagine four or five reasonably trained people could take them out. I'm not suggesting you do that, by the way. <laughs> Matt, as always, we have a, subject, a topic of rape, which I always go to you first. First on sexual assault, rape, battery. It's a real theme emerging to the show. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I don't. I don't know if you ever read Quillette. Uh, Quillette is. Was, I can't remember the name of the woman. Claire, something who started. It's an online, basically intellectual uh, magazine uh, blog area for uh, not just female writers, but typically female writers who are uh, strong women. And call themselves feminists, but hate the other real, f- the Me Too feminists, basically. Like all the people who think there's a huge overreaction in college campuses and ac- academia, all the stuff with the women's movement, and sort of write stuff from a very, gra- what they would consider a very grounded, strong female, but not crazed feminist perspective. Sounds pretty legit. Yeah, actually, they have really great authors on there. I mean, I don't agree with all of it, and they're not, they're definitely not like, they're not misogynists. They're women who are, some of them are lesbians and others, you know, they usually come from academic backgrounds, but they're all kind of freaked out by where the trend is heading in, in the Me Too movement uh, and the fact that there's been a huge overreach by their, their feminist compadre, compadres. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't like what's happening on the college campuses and the workplace. So this woman, Diana Davison, wrote this article this past week, which I thought was great, uh, although she is Canadian, so I have to put that square that against one against her. <laughs> Uh, but she was following a rape trial in British Columbia last year, sexual assault trial, where it turned out the woman was making up the entire, basically made up the entire, it seems like she made up the entire sexual assault by a guy that she, she vaguely knew. She knew in some social context. Um, and the thing that scared her, she, fo- she was following the trial for a local paper. The thing that scared her was that, like how believable uh, the woman was in the case when she was testifying in the pre-trial and then eventually in the trial. And how, like, you know, she, she would talk to other women about this, like, oh, God, this woman seems so believable. Thinks she had all this detail about what happened during the rape. It was more of like a date rape situation where he wasn't beating her, but he was, like, telling her it'll be over soon. You know, you should, you, you should feel lucky that I, I picked you because I could get any woman I want. And she just sort of closed her eyes and did all this stuff, like as you might see in a Lifetime, in a lifetime movie. Although I imagine that's how a lot of rapes actually, actually happen. Um, as the trial went along, things came out about this woman that, for instance, okay, she was a, uh, social media, uh, sexual assault advocate and activist. She ran multiple groups about, uh, sexual assault support and things like that. And then this female writer's like, okay, well that obviously doesn't automatically scoot. It's not like someone who is a sexual assault uh, activist can be raped. Obviously that can happen. Uh, as I've always pointed out to you, it's always the people on the airplanes who are always asked to leave somehow are always bloggers and activists. It's just <laughs> quite a coincidence that people well, you who could get into advocacy after you were actually raped. Yes, yeah, so this would be advocacy. In this case, it would be advocacy first. Okay. And then they started to notice things like how how uh, well conditioned, she, how, how dramatic she was in her testimony, how forthright, and unlike a lot of women who are victims of sexual assault, who are very meek, somber and hesitant in their in their testimony her testimony was very strong and powerful and strident and uh she was saying like very clearly stating things that had happened stating the impact it had on her in a a very like coached up in a very coached up kind of way 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you watch enough rape trials, I assume you can tell that like like 95 out of 100 of them, the woman's like crying and barely can talk and she's having trouble remembering things. And then here's this other woman who's like remembering everything in details as if she's speaking in one of her activist, <laughs> activist videos. And then on top of that, they found that she had done this project with, for sexual assault uh, victims where they created collages of uh, all the quotes of all the things the rapist had told them during the rape, spoken during the rape. It was like a therapeutic thing? Yes, yeah, like a therapeutic uh, empowerment project. And then they started to notice the, the uh, defense attorney started to point out in her testimony that things she was saying were nearly exact quotes of the rape collage quotes Uh-oh. that they had made three years earlier. So, like... He fucked me like, you know, I thought it was a pillow or things like things like that, 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 you know, women had written down that she was now actually quoting verbatim as things she said during her. (laughs) She's not too bright, huh? (laughs) No. Well, but so what happened was eventually the woman This is I don't know how Canadian uh, law works. Apparently, they're a few hundred years behind the rest of us. But um, she decided to stop testifying and the prosecution decided to put the case on hold when it was really clear that. She was fudging an immense number of facts in her testimony, and there was no other evidence in the case. It was a, a testimony versus testimony case. There was no other witnesses, no other physical evidence. Uh, and so they put the case on hold, which was sucked because the guy is still now in this semi-permanent forever uh, limbo of having been accused of sexual assault for which he was not acquitted, and also apparently spent, had to spend $100,000 on his defense, and they mortgaged the house and all sorts of shit like that. But her point was, uh, Diana Davidson's point was that, like, the sexual assault advocacy movement has become so sophisticated on college campuses and other places through social media and stuff, and to some benefit, of course, to women who've actually been sexually assaulted. But there's this whole industry now, and it's so open and so available that uh, women have been coached on the language and the processes of making sexual assault allegations to the point that it's impossible to tell the real ones from the fake ones anymore. Like, you can't immediately, like, a cop can't hear like a woman saying what happened and know that she's discredited her and know that she's lying because they actually have access to like coaches and here's what you say when you've been sexually assaulted to the police to the prosecutors here's the language you should use here's phrases you should use uh here's things to make sure you include and of course the groups are trying to do this to help women who've really been assaulted but women who haven't been assaulted have access to the same information and the same coaches and they've created this environment where it's like now nearly impossible for anyone to tell. And I was thinking about Christine Blase Ford, where it's really impossible for anyone to tell if a woman's telling the truth at all anymore. Right. And just basically how fucking, <laughs> how fucking frightening that is, uh, even for her as a woman, that, you know, th- there's this sort of like one of those laws of unintended consequences is, OK, you've you've now helped all these actual rape assault victims. Uh, get through the system but now you've also created this whole opportunity uh, for fraudulent claims claims that are so real so realistic and so detailed and so perfectly done that it'll be impossible to to uh, impugn them and these guys are going to be going away for lots and lots of false rape accusations yeah and which is like the most devious you know conniving thing you can do is falsely accuse a guy to, to get back at him or simply uh, for your own amusement or well, because you're a, a rape activist and you've yet to be ra- you've yet to be raped yeah so i mean w- what we have to do and i'm not saying like you know definitely give the, the women the benefit of the oh, doubt yes, but, yes. Uh, thoughts and prayers 
in a case like this where we find evidence that you're making the whole thing up, you don't get to just walk away. You know, you have to be charged with a crime. Yes. <laughs> you, uh, and then, and then does, and th- we, we talked about the case, and I think it was Connecticut or Long Island, with a girl who said the football players raped her in the, in the basement. She, was, she had had consensual sex with them and lied to her boyfriend about it. There have been a few cases. A woman in Ohio was going to jail for a year for false rape claims. But uh, you have to assume it's a very small number within that eight or nine percent number we said a false accusation you have to assume it's a very small number of women who are being actually prosecuted after that because it's just a case nobody wants to take on yeah because you're taking on a woman who accused someone else of rape unless you have extremely obvious evidence that she lied about this for some really evil purpose you're not gonna want to try that case no but if you have really good evidence then you may as well I mean, I wonder what percentage of, I'm sure this varies a lot by, by the race of the accused and, the, and, the, and their lawyer, but... You're saying black men don't get justice. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but what percentage of, if it's, the guy has no history of anything, and it's a woman saying he raped her, and he's saying he didn't, what percentage of those guys get convicted? Uh, I don't know. Uh, something pointed out in this piece was that, like, when people say there's no evidence, they used to say there's no evidence, right? So he said, she said there's no evidence. But now they, they have decided that testimony is evidence. I mean, right. it is te- testimony is technically evidence. But now they've actually upped the, uh, the weight of testimonial evidence. Uh, and by the way, she included in this piece a study, <laughs> which is, I love, uh, a study of, of potential jurors where they're given stories. One story is false and one story is true about different crimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, jurors, just general population people, only get it right half the time. They can only tell the truth from the false stories half the time. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> just like, so, you know, I mean, jury is going to believe they're going to go off some. It's a flip of the coin, basically, whether or not they're going to believe a false story or whether they're going to believe a truth story. But obviously, if it's a woman crying and the guy said the guy raped her, they're more emotionally inclined to believe her. Uh, in terms of that coin flip, then they are not to believe her. They don't want to be the guy who, they don't be the juror who let off a rapist. Um, yeah, and so I'm sure, I'm sure if they did a study, it's it's also, you know, if the guy looks like a rapist. Well, like if he's black, you mean? Uh, well, if yes. he's black or if it's Nick Nolte or whatever. Nick Nolte does look like, <laughs> does look like a rapist. <laughs> Adam know. Silver. Yeah, he, he's, <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a discrepancy there, but that's. But you're right. It is always it is, it is always always minorities who get screwed in this in these situations. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's a white woman. I mean, come on. But, but I, I'm scared that now that it's upscale white guys at college who are getting nailed a lot. That's that bothers me quite a bit. But it's just going to increase the number of like you know, we've gone this full tilt. This is a full tilt pendulum thing where like 50 years ago, uh, a woman could cry could have been raped, cry rape, and they call her a slut and tell her to shut up, and no one believes her. And now it's like, you know, you have everybody saying not only believe her, but now you have these resources where women are coming up in this rape culture thing in high school and college and these things on campus where they're told rape is happening all the time. You might be raped. You could be just think about the suggestion of this. Like you have a 25 percent chance of being raped here in college. Like, oh, by the way, if a guy and they've also did studies where uh, the woman in this case herself could not. They asked her to identify what consent was and she couldn't identify what consent was. So it's sort of like if you had sex and you're unhappy, you were assaulted. Yeah. And they've been told this and then they've been told what to say to make it sound worse than it is or to make it sound more uh, heinous than it actually was. Like he told me this or like 
he grabbed my arm and I didn't give him permission to grab my arm so I couldn't move my arm or he weighs a lot and I couldn't get off from underneath him. So I was, even though I didn't say anything, I was trapped. There's all these little catchphrases and, and signals you can give to sort of make it seem as if you were defenseless and you were assault, assaulted against your will, whereas the guy has no idea this is going on. Right. <laughs> he's just having, he's just, you know, slightly intoxicated and having college sex. And next thing he knows, he's, you know, this woman is describing this horrific crime that occurred in his, I remember Amy Schumer said that like, in her memoir, she went back and decided she was technically raped her first time because the guy never asked her permission. Yeah, like, why not? I was yeah, raped. Yes, yeah, like fuck it. Like some fat nerd in high school, like got finally got lucky with a fat Amy Schumer, and she decided that she, since she never said yes, you can take my pants off. That therefore she was raped. Can I interest you in a rape? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I don't. Know. I found the. I found the whole thing. Hey, shut up. Well, we just gotta, we gotta go after the uh, criminally go after the, the false accusers. Like Mattress Girl Solkowitz, she's still kind of like this this figure that's revered, and she's a a liar. And and she just had no. She just continued with her routine after it came out that she was just fabricating everything. Well, this reminded me of, Bla of Blase for it because as I shocked you one uh, back in October. Uh, I believed her when I heard her testimony. I told you how much I believed her, and now I'm thinking that like as time has passed and I read more articles like this, and she is a social, she is a therapist for women who have trauma. That they there's this learn again. It may not be insidious as like a, a really deceptive like lay out a plan on a piece of paper. A lot of it may just be suggestion and things you're picking up from the the culture around you. Hmm. Is a, that squeaky voice and the crying and the talking about how she can't fly and she needs multiple do front doors and things like that. What I thought once was just the innocent ramblings of a woman who's been traumatized by sexual assault may have been just these embellishments of like things she's heard from other patients and things like that that kind of get stuck in your head and like, God, that was so dramatic when she said she needed two front doors. And, oh, that happened to me too. I, need two front, I needed two front doors after I was assaulted. Uh, so now I don't, by the way, believe her at all. <laughs> Just these these articles have convinced me that like when it's too, like it's almost like too. If I believe you too much, now I don't believe you anymore. <laughs> like the the squeaky voice and the and the tears and like I need like uh, you know whatever and then the whole story about like all the and again none of, not by the way none of it corroborated from anyone ever knew her that she was like anxious or that she was like claustrophobic or that she had all these fears or that she couldn't go out. There was no evidence of any of this stuff. But when she told the story, it was so believable. Like you saw a woman who looked like she'd just been fucking rattled beyond belief by some massive trauma. Well, unfortunately, with her and him, we'll just we'll never know. I mean, no. you can feel a certain way, but no, I'm, no I'm one saying, will ever know whether it happened or not. I really believed her at first. And now I really don't. I, I still don't like him, but I really don't believe her at all. After reading more of these articles and especially anyone who's like. Anyone who's connected like in the activist world and the therapeutic world, stuff like that. Now I'm just going to believe or spouting coached lines. And again, it may not be where they go like, I want to be evil and lie to people, coach me on how to do this. It may just be they pick up shit. Like think about college girls these days and how much shit, rape culture shit they pick up. They're so hostile, anti-male, anti-sex rape by the time they go through four years of college. They're completely open to the idea that a guy they had sex with the night before might have raped them. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's girls that have been in relationships with guys and later decided that every time they had sex with the guy, it was rape. Yes. Which, yes. which is like 
something only a complete lunatic would <laughs> believe. And I think 20 years ago, we all would have laughed at that person and called him a loon. <laughs> but now they're filing charges and the guy's in trouble. Right. So it's, cha- it's just cha- it's changed dramatically. Yeah, that, that article scared the, scared the shit out of me. And I just, I, I'm, I, the one thing I'm glad about uh, in terms of not being in a, a dating, dating culture anymore is shit like that. Because that just scares me. Like, because I'm, you know, you have to work, you have to like have a checklist. You need that app. You need that uh, consent app where you both speak into the app and sign your name and have it auto verified each step of the sexual <laughs> process. I well, would, ha- I would have, I would just get one of those. I've decided mostly for my own benefit and because I'm tired of wasting time and buying drinks for uh, girls that are just bored and killing time. Um, I'm not, I'm not dating. I'm not going out with a girl anymore unless we've exchanged fairly sexual text messages. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's my, uh, that's a good idea. And by the way, keep those messages. Oh, Make sure course. you have them for court. <laughs> for keep, court keep them for a variety court, of reasons. Court evidence, uh, court evidence, <laughs> court evidence along the way. Uh, the thing I was, you know, I cover on uh, CaseyAnthony.com. I cover these teacher sex cases where the female teachers are having sex with the male students because it's one of my fascinations. Uh, and they could always get away with it, but for some reason they always feel a need to send n- naughty selfies to the kid and dirty, dirty texts. Yeah. Like if you just. Didn't do that part. You can go like, oh, the k- he's 16. He's imagining shit. I don't. I mean, there's no evidence of the sexual of the sex. There's no like, you know, there's no like, you know, it's six months later, there's some they're taking semen samples like that. It's just he said, she said, and usually the guy's very reluctant anyhow to say it happened. Right. But they always find the fucking Snapchat or Facebook messages. Women always have to like, why are you 37 and sending pictures of vagina <laughs> to the kid? And then they have to confess. Right, like, right. just don't do the photos. I never quite understood that. <laughs> Matt, you're a fantasy football player who could never play football in real life. <laughs> we have a uh, email from Eric. So I, somehow you didn't know the NFL had the biggest game of the season this coming weekend. The Rams <laughs> are nine and one. The Chiefs are nine and one. It's the first two times teams that are both nine and one are playing each other in the regular season uh, since 1992. No, oh. so it's been it's 26 good, years. It's a good stat. Yes, you've been watching a. PTI? I might have made that up. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it's it's very rare that uh, t- first of all it's rare that teams nine and one that doesn't happen often and th- they're playing each other head to head during the season it just hasn't happened in twenty six years so it's a big game and of course the NFL scheduled it for Mexico because okay. <laughs> that's where you want to play your big if you're the NFL that's where you want to play their big games and I don't I understand why the NBA went to China and why the NBA goes places because people play basketball it's a pretty big sport around the world now it's a pretty global sport yeah uh, it's big in Europe it's big in chi- for sure it's big in China. Probably not so much Latin America. Well, the Brazilians seem to try and play. Um, and the Argentinians. Uh, but the NFL doesn't seem like... Remember they had that European league like several years ago? Like they had those German teams and stuff? And they uh, had like bad American players whenever they play? Uh, yeah, I think they... St- I just saw... Uh, European uh, football. Real sports. I think they actually still have that. Do they really? But it's like real beleaguer. I mean, yes. it's, it's not going to last. No. It's like... It's just people in those places love fucking soccer they just love soccer and if you love soccer, i'm really convinced that there's an inverse relationship between how much you love soccer and how much you love american football like you can't love both i just feel that way i think if like we're all just so accustomed to football and and condition you know we grew everyone grew up with football it's a big part of our culture or, or a part of it anyway but i think if you'd never seen football you're like what the fuck is this you like, don't think though you don't think you were like Okay, it's soccer, but you get to use your hands. That wouldn't appeal to you. Like, 
yeah, why don't we? Why can't we use our hands in soccer? <laughs> like, why can't we use our 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 two most agile, dexterous limbs <laughs> in playing this sport? Why are you not allowed to use your arms? I don't know. I, sport? I, I, that would bo- that always bothered me. Like, well, who decided that? Dude, I'm watching football. There are so many rules in football. Like, I'd be like, how come the guys on the line can't move before the other guy moves? Yes. And how come when he caught that ball, they didn't call it a catch, even though it didn't touch the ground? There's so many fucking rules that the commentators who do this for a living don't know half no. the rules. But there are no rules in the NFL football about limbs you're not allowed to use. There's, <laughs> there's no rule that you can't use certain limbs when you're playing. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I but, mean, it, but you can't throw the ball forward once someone else touches it. I, I just think if you don't know it, yeah, then you're just like, I have no idea what's happening right like now. Like my dog is really good at kicking the soccer ball around. <laughs> my dog can move the soccer ball around the grass really fast because she has legs. Mm-hmm. But the one thing she can't do is throw a football. Like she cannot use the dogs cannot use their arms for for shit. They can't throw anything. They can kick stuff. They can't throw anything. It seems to me you invent a sport and you say. You know, think about how great football is with the arms. The catch, Odell Beckham's catches and the passes and the things you do with your hands and your arms. We're just going to take that away, and you can only kick. Sh- you can only kick shit. I mean, I'm not saying soccer is not incredibly athletic and skilled and everything like that, but like they do that if something touches your hand, there's a penalty flag. That <laughs> just bothers me. To, bothers me to no end. And I, I think people who appreciate that call soccer the beautiful sport or whatever the fuck Pele called it, the perfect sport, just will never like. American football. Yeah, I think, well, they're too different. I mean, the fact that they're even called the same thing both called football and are somehow distantly related. I mean, football now doesn't resemble any other sport ever. It's like... Well, rugby, it's close It's close to rugby. I mean, it came out of rugby. It's close to rugby. There's no other sport where you stand around for 32 <laughs> seconds yes. and then a guy hits another guy and then you stand around again. Like, if you took the whole action of a football game i'm sure someone's done this what is it like three and a half minutes worth yes well that's what allows like fat guys to be good football players right so you can be a fat lineman because you're only actually running like 100 yards the entire game it's like it's it's inauthentically been manufactured like there's not supposed to be right like 400 pound guys playing a sport you know uh unless you really you know engineer it for for such purpose and then uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and have you talk shit about America's <laughs> American sport. I think, but the point is, I think that if you do like football, then you watch soccer, you're like, okay, this was a really shitty version of a more exciting sport for me. And conversely, I guess, if you've grown up in soccer and you've come to believe that like, this no hands thing in the soccer is your game, then football, which is like, it's, it always seems like the weaker cousin, right? It always seems like the uninteresting cousin. So that's why soccer, I think, hasn't caught on in this country, in the U.S. and never will as long as we have football. And that's why I think football will never catch on it in the soccer country, which is the most popular sport in the entire world. Yeah, I mean, they're so different that you're right. I can't imagine the same person really liking both of them. No, which um, is why Mexico seems like a really bad place to host the biggest NFL game of the year. <laughs> but they're convinced that somehow, I don't know, like Mexico's Latin America has become a huge American football NFL fan for some reason. So they schedule this big game in Mexico City. Uh, lo and behold, uh, uh, the soccer stadium where they're going to host it because they have no football stadiums uh, was in very poor condition. And the NFL players refused to play on the field because it was in such shitty shape. How does the field get to be in that shitty shape? So they, they had a concert. They had a, a, a concert uh, uh. of the name of some Mexican guy I won't know. <laughs> And they played a soccer game there like f- two days earlier. So the soccer players don't mind the 
crappy field as much. Well, I think there was more the concert, and they just couldn't get it ready in time. I'm assuming I'm going to go on a limb and generalize that it's Mexico, so they don't have the same thing as they do at like the Phoenix. It the seems Phoenix doable though to <laughs> yes. get a field yes. in order within what a week or something. I don't know why they can't find a good Mexican gardener. I mean, there's <laughs> just tons of them in LA. They're all over the place. I mean, if you have anything good from Mexico, it's gardeners. Uh, also, they have those uh, like 5,000 caravanners doing nothing. They could be resigned the field. Uh, <laughs> but they decided to move to L.A., which I think, as, as Eric pointed out in his email, I think just proves that the NFL just needs to stay in America. It's an American thing. It's like I remember when I was in Europe and people were drinking uh, Budweiser. And it would become popular. I think it was most because the American soldiers had Budweiser over in Germany. Mm. Uh, but clearly, compared to German beer, Budweiser is just absolutely disgusting. American Budweiser, which it is. It's American beer. It's just, why would you be in Europe and drink Budweiser? But it became very popular in Europe at the time. And I felt the same, I felt the same, felt the same way about it. Like, this o- Budweiser should only exist in America. It's a very American thing. Like, yeah, it's true. Well, it's the crappy and it's, it's watered down, but it's what we love. But the crossover stuff with internationally from America is, well, like, you know, you said the NBA is popular and, and that's cool, but... Um, a lot of times it's like, oh, they just don't get it. Like, you know, um, fucking uh, uh, like Kevin Federline, maybe a huge celebrity in <laughs> yes, Latin America yes, for all I know. Yes. And and we look at it here like, what? Why did you pick that? You know, um, how does Paris Hilton sell a billion dollars of fragrance in the, in the Middle East? Yeah. So even if you think the NFL is this amazing product, that doesn't, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have a great track record on what they uh, pick from us. You know? No, you know what they want? WWE. Right. That's just huge. It's huge overseas. It's always a... People... I mean, we make fun of American taste, but you go over like the Middle East, other places, and watch what movies they're watching. It's a lot of Steven Seagal movies. <laughs> a lot of Steven Seagal movies. Oh, yeah. So you'll find out they made like... Remember the movie Red Scorpion with uh, Drago uh, from Rocky? He made those Red Scorpion movies, like the first two. No. It, just, it was just all these like... Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, Steven Seagal movies, just kicked out, went to some vague Middle Eastern country that looked like Turkey and rescued someone. Well, it was a commander like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and just killed lots of people with guns. <laughs> and then you go like, okay, there was the first one was in the U.S. It was always like a canon, Israeli-produced canon film with Chuck Norris or someone else like that. And then you realize like you saw the one here in the U.S., but they made 27 more like for overseas. And they were the number one like... You know, Red Scorpion 11 was like the number one movie in Dubai, like in, like last year. Right. You're like, what? They're still making Red, and it's no longer got the same actors in it. It's just like Red Scorpion 11. This time yeah. he's back for good. And like, they're still watching these fucking movies. And they're doing stuff from the 80s. Like, you could meet, like, even a cool, relatively normal guy from uh, Israel or, or uh, Iran comes over and he's like, Hey, bro, check out my gold-plated Mercedes. <laughs> and you're like, okay. And um, my acid-washed jeans. And my yeah, it's like, wh- what are you guys doing? Rollerblade, rollerblading, rollerblading. <laughs> they do. And, they mu- and the music is just fucking horrible. Music is just fucking horrible. Because it's actually just the Western music like 15, <laughs> 15 years later. Yeah. Like, I'm really into, like... They're really, they're really into like you know uh, a blues traveler. Have you ever heard of this blues traveler? We're really into blues travel. Like, yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not that. Yeah, they pick the weirdest stuff. It's like they're trying to be David Hasselhoff, <laughs> but it's it's too late. I don't. I don't. I don't get any of them. All I know is the NFL is America. Leave it in America. They make whatever ten, twelve billion dollars a year. Is that enough? You don't need. The, you don't need to conquer the world, and you certainly don't need to go. You don't need to go to Mexico. It's not their sport. <laughs>
And that is time for our panties in a bunch segment, our final segment of the day. Only found on Patreon.com for uh, for the people who can put together four quarters to listen to the uh, the best segment of each week. I think the panties in a bunch segment. And this weekend, I want to talk lingerie. Lingerie is awesome. If you're not <laughs> if you're not sure about the Patreon.com experience, just listen to this cheap ass promo message from creepy pedophile voice. Run, don't walk to Patreon.com forward slash last men on earth creepy pedophile voice compels you all right creepy pedophile voice simmer down i right, matt you have something you wish to pimp and promote for the show something you're selling uh matt ralston.net instagram the matt ralston someone else took matt ralston are they squatting or are they actually using it no it's i met i was in seattle once renting a porno and I showed the guy my driver's license, and he said, uh, that's my name as well. And I said, well, that's a weird coincidence. And then he, apparently he was better at using computers than me, so. Wait, you were renting porn. Where do you have to show ID to rent porn? Is it like an old shop? It was a video store. I just showed my ID to, like, pull up my account. Oh, I see. I thought you were showing, like, your age or something like that. And you were renting porn, and you rented a guy with the same name as you who took the web, who took the domain name? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's what I would take as a sign to stop renting porn at the store. <laughs> That's when I'd stop. That's when I'd stop. When you start getting into conversations with people you have things in common with. Yeah. That's when it's time to go. All right, this is Lex, last man on earth. Check us out on Patreon.com. Talk to you next week. I feed my baby when baby is hungry. Don't stare at my breasts. Just let us be. When my baby looks happy, I'm proud of my glance. I'm just feeding my baby. Shouldn't have to take a stand. We will breastfeed where we please. We care more for our baby's needs than for your modesty. If you hate seeing breasts in this way, look away. Making milk is why breasts exist in the first place. Just give us some space. We refuse to cower. My body makes milk. What's your super power?